Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love of God! Ben, I cannot believe that you managed to squeeze into that old biker for today's episode. Oh, it's all it's an abundant use of KY jelly and a <laughs> spatula. <laughs> well, I think it's awesome that you did come dressed as Orgasmo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Choda Dog. <laughs> Does that or is make it Ch- Choda Boy? Does that make me Choda Boy? Ch- Choda Boy. <laughs> <laughs> were you a typical fan of superhero movies when you were little? Yeah, I actually don't know if there were any. Like, were there superhero movies when, when we were kids? Yes, they were. What were they? Superman. Yeah, I did like that. <laughs> like the DC, I suppose. Yeah, that's going to come in handy for the Richard Donner tribute. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, like, it's become commonplace now, but Donna was the king of, I'm going to take one movie, uh, just make it either two, <laughs> and not tell anyone. Peter Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, oh, I suppose. Well, I, I mean, know. today's not exclusively superhero movies, but rather comic book movies, and, and none of that Marvel and DC bullshit. Um, we're, we're sticking with the, the non-Marvel DC stuff. Um, we're doing it with a special guest who you may have heard a moment ago who sits here with us right now. We'll introduce her in just a moment. But first, Good Movie Monday. You're listening to the podcast presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. Find us at GoodMovieMonday.com or wherever you get your podcast from. My name is Glenn Cochran. You can call me Astro Boy, which means that the guy sitting across from me, Ben Howig, must be Dr. Elephant. Ben, how are you, mate? I'm well, I could have sworn it was Dr. Elephant. As a kid, <laughs> yeah. elephant. Yeah, I did too. I must admit, I didn't know that he didn't have the. the other, I don't know. I didn't know you didn't pronounce the T at the end of his name. <laughs> and of course, uh, we've also for this episode blown the dust off the third microphone because joining us today is Samantha Housen, who not only contributes to FakeShamp.net, but more importantly, hosts her own blog, which is called Happy and Tragic. Hey, Sam, how are you? Good. Welcome to the show. <laughs> So sit back and relax. I'm not going to throw you under the bus the way I would this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. We'll go pretty easy on you. Um, If you are new to the show, then welcome. It's uh, great to have you on board. Coming up, we also have regular segments from a bunch of people who love movies as much as we do. Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures will keep you up to date with the physical media releases this week. Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm has this week's movie news. Adam Ross from Triple M has a movie recommendation for you. And the guys from the American podcast Bonehead Weekly are going to riff on today's theme. Our show is also enhanced by the generosity of others. So some places to visit online are Four Pillars Gin, Eagle Entertainment, Umbrella Entertainment, The Astor Theatre and The Lunar Drive-In. Sam. Let's take a moment to talk about you. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about Happy and Tragic. Um, How did that come about? Well, I had a blog for a while, but it wasn't a... Well, I kind of just had it there, and I just, I wrote on it, and no one went to it. No one knew about it. And then, well, my parents did. (laughs) (laughs) They they never read anything, so... Um, But then 
because I think I, I was always too nervous to actually put my opinions out there like publicly. But then last year, during lockdown and everything, I just decided, why not just make it a, like a full thing? And that's when I called it something else other than my name. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and then yeah, it was just that's I, yeah. awesome. I mean, it's it's a, it's a really good looking blog. It's, it's a proper website. Yes. I find the hardest part is the name. Yeah. Like you spend all your time. Like I found I would spend months trying to figure out the name and then no content would ever yeah, appear. Yeah, and I'm yeah, just like, right. no, I've got the name right now. I'm calling it <laughs> Mid- Midnight Climax. What a great name for a blog. That, I mean, like, that uh, is a great name for a blog. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, no, uh, never reviewed a single film. <laughs> or I did, like I'd do one. I'd be like, how can I, just the quickest I possibly can. Yeah. Get it out there and then no. I think I changed the layout of it like a million times before I finally settled on something. You know the embarrassing story that fakechamp.net was originally Dashflix? Was it? Dashflix? And I registered the name only to discover that, it's a horrible name by the way, (laughs) only to discover that Netflix actually owned Dashflix as a name. So in Australia it let me register, but in America they had issues with it. Was it like a like the the actual sign dash? No, like, it was actually D A S H. Yeah, because the theory was my reviews were very micro, so it was like dash fast, you know, oh, quick. And right. I'm, I'm certainly glad that didn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> People still ask me what the fuck does fake chat mean anyway? But, but they are the best. I like a, a good review that only goes for like one or two sentences max. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, if you the, can the, do that though, that's impressive. Yeah. People like, can review a film and. Or like if you could do all your reviews just in a haiku, <laughs> just like. Do you want to give us one? <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I really, I've never been able to understand the the, the rules of haikus. Five, five, seven, five. No, there's like a number. Do like I have a... to? Do I have to clap? Is it like the like yeah, syllables, syllables and you have to clap? Yeah, do yeah. it. <laughs> he was gonna. <laughs> was gonna this movie sucks. I didn't like it at all. I can't. It's trying to come up with it and count at the same yeah. time is. It's like. Rubbing your head and patting your tummy, or <laughs> rubbing your yeah. tum, patting your—is it pat your head and rub your tummy? If only we had tummy. cameras right now, because you were both <laughs> rubbing your heads and your tummies. Let's do it. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> and also, like as well as your blog, you've worked behind the scenes on some pretty prominent productions. What are some of those? Yeah, that's like 2014 or something yeah. like that. Um, in the art department, all my experience is in the art department. Yeah. Props and stuff like that. Um, Jack Irish, the first season. And I did a couple of days on Housewives Films, season cool. four. Yeah, did you get and to meet Gary Sweet? Gary that's Sweet. what, that's what say, Ben was going to ask. Gary Sweet? <laughs> I was in the office. I did all the graphics. So yeah. I was like at my desk. Right. But <laughs> that's every time I've gone on like a tour of a movie set where I, I see the production office mm. and they're like yeah the, the set's out there but there's nothing happening out yeah. there at the moment so check out the production office yeah. <laughs> well it's great it's, it's just like my office yeah, exactly. it's exactly the same yeah. Yeah. and before we move on have movies been a big part of your life like forever forever yeah cool I am named after bewitched <laughs> Wow, there we go. There's some some brownie points right there. Samantha from Bewitch. Funnily enough, this week, I I guess it just must have been in ether, but I've been watching, uh, for some reason it came up on my YouTube queue, 
uh, old episodes of Burke's Law, which is like a 70s cop show kind of thing. Is or? that before he started working on Backyards? Like, yeah. I think I think right. that's where Burke's Backyard actually ripped the name off. <laughs> Legit. Oh, yeah, oh, I think really? so. Okay. Um, and But uh, what's her name was uh, Samantha from Bewitched was a guest star in like... So Elizabeth in Montgomery? Elizabeth yeah, Montgomery in episode one and then she played a completely... Or was it episode one or maybe episode two? Completely different character in like two episodes later. And you're like, yeah, because audiences uh, weren't sophisticated enough to go, hang on a second. I think that's the same, the same woman well, from know, the last when one. They, when they first started like television, they like film people used to say that television was like for the, the average man, like the working class man. Yeah. And so they just did not treat it the same with respect like they probably do now. Yeah, oh, no, oh, like, they probably didn't think that they would notice. But that was that what was that um, uh, Amy Poehler joke about uh, when she was when they were hosting the Emmys, her and um, Tina Fey, and she said the the beautiful people from film and the rat faced people yeah. from TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly Samantha ticks all the right boxes. Uh, the main one being movie lover. So, um, by the way, I do apologise for Ben's lycra. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I just I'll get like used it. to it. I like the sound it makes. And look, quick, I want to do something. Quickly for shits and giggles, I'm going to just, Samantha, I'm going to hand you an envelope, right? Okay. Don't open that unless I instruct you to in a few minutes. Oh my gosh. So I never got an envelope. <clears throat> yeah, so just leave that right there. We get paid now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <a> this is <laughs> it's like a novelty check. Uh, even though today's episode is about non-DC and Marvel films, we are going to quickly just pay tribute to one of the DC kings, the... Uh, the creator of your favourite Superman, Richard Donner. He didn't Donner. create it. I know he didn't create it, but <laughs> <laughs> he he made it a blockbuster. He made the movie. He made yeah, right. he made Superman a blockbuster, but he passed away, age ninety one. So that's very sad. We're gonna because we've been a doing innings. a celebrity death watch originally on the show, which we haven't done for a few weeks. A, a lot of and a lot of celebrities have died. I can, can't think of any of them off the top of my head, <laughs> yeah. but like big names. Yeah, and I was I was always surprised that you didn't bring them up. The, the, and because uh, it's the, not Betty White, I guess. Yeah, I guess the, you just didn't think it was important. The segment didn't go anywhere, did it? Yeah, no, no. But anyway, um, let, we're gonna do a, a midweek video to talk about his work um, on Tuesday night. So anyway, so comic book movies. Maverick. We're just gonna talk about Maverick. I'm just, I'm just spoiling it right now. If you like Maverick with Mel Gibson as much as I do, tune in. All right. Well, before we get stuck into it, we'll, we'll chuck it over to Jarrett for a minute and then we'll fire off some of our own recommendations. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Now I'm going to kick off this week's segment with a little bit of news. And that is that Universal Sony will release Fast 9, the ninth film in the Fast and Furious franchise, on home entertainment on September 1. Now it is getting a 4K Ultra HD release, but I can't tell you at this stage whether or not it'll have a Dolby Atmos or a DTS track. My money is actually on the Dolby Atmos for the fact that Hobbs and Shaw, previous film in the franchise, albeit a spin-off, had a Dolby Atmos track. Then on September 22nd, making its debut on home entertainment is The Forever Purge. It's the fifth film in the Purge franchise and the fifth film in the franchise to skip cinemas. That's right. For some reason, Universal Pictures never want to take a chance on a Purge film opening in Australian cinemas. So this one will be debuting on home end. Unfortunately, at this stage, it's looking like it's only getting a DVD release. There's no detail as to whether it is coming out on Blue or 4K for that matter. Then moving on to Roadshow, on September 1, they're going to release The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third film in The Conjuring trilogy, and it's coming out on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K Ultra HD. This will be the first film 
in the Conjuring trilogy to be released on 4K Ultra HD. Not the first film in the universe, because The Nun actually got a 4K release in the US. God help us, that movie's awful. The less said about it, the better. Anyway, September 1 for that. Then, I mentioned Shawshank Redemption and A Clockwork Orange coming out in the United States on 4K Ultra HD. Good news, Roadshow will be releasing both of these Warner Catalog titles on 4K Ultra HD locally. The Shawshank Redemption will be coming out on September 15th, while Clockwork Orange will be coming out on September 22nd. Then, this week's releases, I'm only going to talk about one release, the original Space Jam. And that's right, 4K Ultra HD, the film has HDR10 and a new Dolby Atmos track to it. As for special features, it's everything that was on the previous Blu-ray release that's ported over, which included an audio commentary, a featurette, and a bunch of music videos. Anyway, that's it for me for this week, so until next time, stay physical. Well, not a heavy week of movies there, and uh, one that Jared didn't mention, but Sam, you did review Operation Red Snake a few weeks ago for FakeShamp.net, so that one's out through Eagle Entertainment. You didn't fancy that one, Ben, and all you did was read the cover. I don't even remember uh, what it was. It was the uh, the the women fighting in where was it? Oh it was yeah, in Syria. yeah, yeah. No, it's it has nothing to do with the plot of that film. <laughs> I just am not that interested in any movies that take place in the Middle East. <laughs> just it's actually really good. I, yeah. I enjoyed it, but I mean, if you're not in. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I just like like Three Kings, like like unless we're going unless we're going back to like uh, you know Alibaba kind of <laughs> with uh, Tony Curtis kind of movies, then like I love all of those. Or Thief of to, Baghdad. To, oh no, that was Morocco. Wasn't it? Road, to road to Morocco. I think yeah. they there was a road to there's a road to everywhere yeah, pretty Zanzibar. much. Uh, Bali, Bali. I think uh, I think there's a road to Christmas. Is there a road to Christmas? Like they they yeah. they. Yeah, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope went everywhere. They went everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't uh, well, fair enough. But anyway, I just don't like them. Thank you to Jared. Uh, you can find him working on the Monster Pictures and Monster Fest social media pages. But now let's do what we came here to do: talk about some non-Marvel DC comic book movies. I'm going to take the lead on this one. Uh, this sort of ties into one I chose last week. Uh, you might remember I I spoke about Roma Sarta which was the, uh, the the Brian Usner film from his Fantastic Factory production company in Spain. This one is also from the same company, directed by Brian Usner, and it's Forced, Love of the Damned from the year 2000, starring Jeffrey Combs and Mark Frost and Andrew Divoff. Hang on, it's called Forced, Love, Love. of the Damned? Yeah. Is, which... it, is it a movie about inappropriate touching? Oh. <laughs> in the workplace? Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, that's yeah. a sin, that's sin bin worthy there, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building up to I'm building up to dad joke territory. Excellent. Well, this one is adapted yeah, from a comic puns. book of the same name, um, written by Tim Vigil and David O'Quinn, and it's one of those sort of Spawn Hellboy type of movies where a guy makes a pact with the devil to avenge, you know, the death of his wife, and realizes selling your soul to the devil comes with consequences and then he wages war on hell and, and satan himself and it's a very very cool film he does have devil horns a la hellboy, hellboy. Does yes he cut him off in a sign of rebellion <laughs> like hellboy does? he does not but um what i love about this is part of the film is very heavy on police procedural stuff and it's very film noir and jeffrey combs plays a mer- like a homicide detective that's trying to solve this case realizing how supernatural it is but what i love more about it is it's a brian usner film and Definitely has his trademark all over it. With Lots blo- of shuntings. All right, can you open that envelope? 
Yeah. <laughs> it was if I yeah, mentioned the shunting, <laughs> could I open the envelope? That was, I was thinking it would be till the end. But... <laughs> you just can't talk about Brian Yesner without mentioning a shunting. What does that say? What does it say? What does it say? It says Ben mentioned shunting. <laughs> <laughs> really quickly, too. I didn't think you'd do it at that point because yeah. I haven't even mentioned the fact that there are that lots of so body morphs and all that <laughs> I, uh, Ben's just reflecting on his life right now. <laughs> I really, I've, I've, I've only actually seen ten movies. <laughs> One of them is Society, and so you know, I try and bring the shunting up wherever possible. <laughs> ben, you're up next, mate. Oh, was that it? That's it. Fourth oh. Love of the Dam. Check it out. It's it's a it's a good movie. <laughs> Wait, what year did it come out? Year two thousand. He did a, a, a he went to Spain, Brian Usner, he's famous for making Reanimator and, and um From Beyond and he did a production company which I think was half funded by the Spanish government, I'm not okay. sure. But yeah, and just pumped out maybe ten movies and yeah. the one I did last week and this week were from that as well. But Far away, mate. Uh, well, I'm also going to talk about a movie that I think I have mentioned on the podcast before in passing, mm-hmm. perhaps, and that is uh, the heir apparent, Largo Winch, or Largo Vinch, as uh, they pronounce it in the film, because it is European, and uh, they pronounce the their W's as V's. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know? No. Yeah. Excellent. Educate me. <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 funnily enough, like it, it's a pretty big, like it's a pretty big European kind of comic. Like they, they've had PlayStation and Xbox games and 360 games. Where have and, I been? <laughs> uh, stuff on this, and it's um it's written and directed by this guy uh, Jerome Sal, who wrote uh, Anthony Zimmer, which uh, is probably better known to people as the Tourist, or it's the the basis of the movie The Tourist with Angelina Jolie and uh, Johnny Depp, and it's. It's basically a kind of a corporate, it's like an action sl- action slash corporate espionage type movie. Right. Um, about this, uh, like, you know, kind of Bill Gates type millionaire mm. or billionaire, I guess, who controls this um, company called the W Group. And he is kind of, he's, you know, his whole life he's kind of, you know, lived under the threat of death. So when, so... 20 years or 30 years ago, 20 years ago, I think more likely, 20 years ago, he kind of adopts this kid in secret. And so he's got like an heir and uh, and hides him away in this kind of little fishing village and uh, basically, and primes him to kind of take over. Mm. And so that if anything would ever happen to him, all of his, his controlling interest in this company gets transferred to this guy. Cool. What year was it? It's from 2008. Okay. Recent. Uh, yeah, like I saw this on. It's never, as far as I know, it, it hasn't got a DVD release. It never got a home ent release mm. here. Um, SBS picked it up and we're playing it for a while. Right. Cool. Uh, and it does have a sequel called The Burma Conspiracy with the. That one's got Sharon Stone. But this one. I was about to say, that sounds far more familiar to me. <laughs> yeah. There is. A, yeah, there's definitely. There's, there's, I don't know if there's. I don't think they've made any more, but they've done. There was a there was a Lago Winch TV series in yeah. France that was pretty big. There's a, like a, a bunch of other kind of stuff, but it's. um. So it's Tomar Sisley who um, is the main character. Kristen Scott Thomas, and she's basically playing the same character that she played in Tomb Raider. Like it's very there's like th- those kind of elements with the kind of company and the inheritance stuff are very similar to, to Tomb Raider. Uh, Melanie Thierry from Babylon AD, mm-hmm. 
uh, pops up. And Stephen, the, the weird one is Stephen Waddingham, uh, who is in like Last of the Mohicans. And for a while, I thought he was the guy from Dog Soldiers, but it's just a guy. He's just a <laughs> like an English ginger, and they all look the same. They do. They do. Uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, so the, and the, the comics, the comics, uh, are, are kind of was like a, it's a seventies comic and originally funnily enough, it started out as a bunch of novels, uh, that got absolutely kind of, that made no traction. Like they were fairly unpopular, but the guy who wrote them was also doing a bunch of comics and he's like, well, why don't I just uh, steal off myself yeah. and, uh, put these out as uh, comic <laughs> books. And the comics were, were like really successful and every, every main storyline, kind of came in two parts and the first part and it all has to do with this guy with his uh adopted father's company and the first book is always uh people trying to take the company away from him and kind of succeeding and the second book is him uh, foiling their plans and getting it back like that's the whole <laughs> cool. kind of thing of the show so yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah uh, pretty cool movie uh, like it's a big kind of it's like their kind of their version of the bank the yeah, french yeah. version of the bank Cool. Well, I guess I'm going to look it up when I put together the letterbox list for the show. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh, Sam, what are you going to start off with? Um, so I've gone probably a bit more mainstream. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> and less like new. But I, the first one, I rewatched Ben uh, for this podcast. Wow, there's commitment. Yeah. <laughs> um, ben, did you watch Winnie this week? I, I watched all of these. Okay, well. Lovely. I didn't. <laughs> you're the only one. You're the one. You're the one who you prepped the rest of the show down yeah. to the thing, and the and the actual movies are like, I remember. Uh, I watched it in two thousand and six. That's why when I said Force Love of Dam, you're like, is that it? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Like, moving on. <laughs> what happens? It. What happens in it, Glenn? <laughs> shunting. <laughs> Lots of shunting. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, yeah. So my first. From Hell, awesome. That's yeah. not that mainstream, I wouldn't say. I think no. that's, that's obscure. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I um, when I Googled non-DC Marvel comic book movies, which That's exactly what I did. Definitely, yeah, okay, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I went straight to Wikipedia and I'm like, non. And it's like, oh, there's, someone's had a Wikipedia yeah. page. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one turned up and... Yeah, so that was directed by Albert and Alan Hughes, who did Book of Eli. Yes, and yeah. started off with um, Menace to Society way back in oh, the day. Not yeah. nineteen-year-old directors back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they looked pretty young when I when I looked them up, so I didn't actually recognize their names to begin with. Yeah, but that came. This one came out in two thousand one, um, but it's like it's really loosely based on the comic book. Yeah, which came out in twenty nineteen. This um, one is it Johnny Depp. This one's Johnny Depp. It's got Heather Graham, Robbie Coltrane, and Ian Holm. Yes, Ian Holm. Yeah. Love that guy. And it's an yeah. odd one, I think, for the Hughes brothers, like because they were sort of very like, urban ghetto kind of movies yeah, up yeah. until this point. And it was interesting. It was kind of well, it was. It's kind of very monotone mm. in its in its like feeling, and it doesn't really. It's a mystery, which the the comic isn't. Right. Um, so the comic actually follows. Because it's all like a Jack the Ripper type. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, it's all about Jack the Ripper mm. and his and who and who he would be. Yeah. Um. And so they actually follow the killer in the comics, but in the movie they made it a mystery. Right. Yeah. Because they're just yeah. following Johnny Depp as he gets high on opium. Yeah. I was about to and say, has, I remember the visions. drugs. Yeah. yeah. He has visions and he drinks absinthe and 
Um, He's yeah. secretly Toulouse Lautrec. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a crossover with Moulin Rouge. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was it was it was interesting. I um because I, I I'm obsessed with sort of uh, Jack the Ripper type of things, mm. and when that came out, I went and saw it theatrically, oh, yeah. and all I remember from it is the drug. Like, drug, yeah. yeah, it really was a trip of a movie, but I don't remember a lot of Jack the Ripper stuff. Does it, tell me, does the the killer, the identity of the killer, go with the popular theory of the Doctor, the Queen's Doctor? Um, yes. It okay. Does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's got like Freemason. Yeah. Just, like that whole. The whole thing. Do yeah. they reveal the secret handshake of the Freemasons? <laughs> <laughs> don't know if they do it in the film. I, I've no. I've never. I remember I was working at Alternate Worlds, uh, which is a comic book shop when. It came out, and we. It was the first time that I'd I had run into the fact that they still censored books in Australia, mm-hmm. like, and and because we couldn't get all of the all of the comic shipments and stuff. I think they came through Western Australia, and they would not let the any the copies from Hell pass through. Oh, really? Yeah. The comic book they had, they like oh, this is uh, this is not uh, no. <laughs> yeah, and there's 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 a handshake. There's there's boobies in it. <laughs> Prostitutes and boobies. <laughs> like, they're they're drawn. Yeah. They're black and white illustrated boobies. Uh, still boobies. <laughs> right. uh, we don't have we don't we don't truck with boobies in Western it's, Australia. It's like window shopping with mannequins, right? Yeah, it's, right. They're still boobs. That's funny you, you brought that up because I literally was watching um, retro replay on YouTube, and this is I just advertised it, but anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, they were talking about. Boobs? No. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember in the eighties when boobs were a thing. They were talking about it was, it's a zombie game. I can't remember. Left for Dead. Yeah. Yep. And that and um, Australia like just said no. Nah. Can't have it. Yeah. Back in those days, that was would would have been before the R rating of games. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I I honestly don't understand. Like I've been to it because as part of my day job, it was I had to do a lot of classifying of films. And so I'd have a lot to do with the classification board and you'd go in for these kind of seminars where they talk you through changes and stuff like that. And I went in to do a, like this advanced classification course that would mean that I could classify trailers and stuff for us yep. and all this sort of stuff. And they ha- always had the game section. And you're like, so when you do the game, you have to go, you have to be, somehow be able to show the reviewer or the board member like all the the pathways that you can go and all of the stuff. You're the like, narrative. How in every, all like, of it, it, yeah. takes me, it takes me a good six months to complete a computer game because <laughs> yeah. I'm an idiot and, and not coordinated enough. Don't see it. He is an idiot. It's, it's, it's scientific. <laughs> it's backed up by fact. <laughs> uh, like once, once the joysticks got more complicated than, than the joystick and one button, yeah. I was lost. Like, once, <laughs> like Doom was great because all you had to do is point the gun in the general direction of the bad guy. Once you had to go up and down, that was it. I was out. Three <laughs> D three D space was too much for me. So, so I'm for, like, how are these how are these sensors doing it? How are they they playing? Are they playing the whole game? Like, what I is the they do play the whole like? Game. I, they really are good, right? Like, well, the first time I played Resident Evil on PlayStation, I think I made it out of out of the first room. And then I just died every yeah. time for like a week. I'm just but does, it, does that also mean that the game creators and developers can cheat by sort of not revealing certain things, hoping that it won't get looked upon? That they won't. Yeah. I, they must. I don't know. Maybe they have to just. They have to send them like a a <laughs> a DVD just of all the cutscenes, of yeah. all of the bits. Go, Maybe these are the bits. Yeah, but 
and as, well, long, as, as long as parents don't complain. Someone listening will have the answer to that and write yeah, to us. Let me tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> yeah. So from hell, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no. That's probably... Awesome. Very well done. So let's uh, throw to Guillermo. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Screw you, Guillermo. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to wait. I do have something else. Um, I read that it was originally meant to be directed by Mel Gibson. Wow. Oh. Yeah, but... Not enough Christ in it. It wasn't. <laughs> well, I'm glad it wasn't because I'm I'm hoping he was prepping for science. His right. greatest work he wrote. Ooh, very... And, um, Hang on. Hang on. Back you up the truck. Uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> you were a bit unflattering towards science. Was it last week, Glenn? I've been unflattering to <laughs> science <laughs> many <laughs> times. Mel Gibson was great in science. He was. I don't disagree he with you. He was great. I agree completely. Mel Gibson's great all the time. He is great. Except on the side of the road when he's being pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you want to talk about Jews. Then he has has a bit of an issue. That's right. (laughs) Bit of a problem with Jews, which is odd coming from someone who works in the movie. Well, look, speaking of someone with issues, he's Guillermo. (laughs) Guillermo also doesn't like Jews. What's happening everybody, it's Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favourite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. I'm here to quickly cover some of the news stories from the past week, kicking off with some sad news with the unfortunate death of Richard Donner, the beloved filmmaker whose credits include 1978 Superman, The Goonies, all four Lethal Weapon films, horror classic The Omen, Bill Murray comedy Scrooge, the 1985 fantasy adventure Lady Hawk, and 94 Mel Gibson film Maverick, among many other titles. Filmmaker passed away at age 91. No cause of death has been reported. He will be missed. And filmmaker Zack Snyder is continuing to line up Netflix projects, signing up to direct, co-write, and produce an original sci-fi film for the streaming service called Rebel Moon. The film will tell of a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy that finds itself threatened by the armies of the tyrannical Regent Belisarius. They dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them take a stand. Snyder will be writing the screenplay for Rebel Moon with Shay Hatton and Kurt Johnsteed. Hatton previously collaborated with Snyder on the script for Netflix zombie film Army of the Dead and John Stan's credits include co-writing Snyder's 300 and writing Charlie Theron thriller Atomic Blonde. Cameras on Rebel Moon are expected to begin rolling sometime in 2022. And word is that a sequel to Amazon release sci-fi film The Tomorrow War is now in the works. According to the deadline, discussions are now in place to bring the whole creative team back for the sequel. That includes director Chris McKay and screenwriter Zach Dean. Also expected to return are the stars Chris Pratt, Yvonne Trahosky, Betty Gilpin, Sam Richardson, Edwin Hodges and J.K. Simmons. The Tomorrow War has reportedly seen huge numbers for Amazon Prime. Acquiring the sci-fi film was certainly a smart move for Amazon. The company paid $200 million to Skydance to acquire the film. And quite the cast is coming together for Matthew Vaughn's next film. Matthew Vaughn, whose credits include Kingsman, Layer Cake, Kick-Ass, and X-Men First Class, will be a globe-trotting spy adventure called Argyle. Set to star, Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, and Samuel L. Jackson. Singer Dua Lipa will also be making an appearance in the film, and she'll also be writing original music for the title track and the score. That about does it for me, guys. Thanks, as always, to the Good Movie Monday team for having me. As always, jump on ScreenRealm.com for your latest movie and TV news, trailers, reviews, all that jazz. ScreenRealm.com. I'm out of here. Oh, yes, I love my donkey and how it loves me. Oh, yes, I love my donkey. That's very plain to see. Don't we make a happy free, my donkey?
their sugar candy grows on trees. Our goats are worth their weight in money. But who needs gold when we've got cheese? Great baby glisten on the vine. Two baby born next month, that's fine. There's no village as fair as mine. Oh, yes, I love my donkey and how it loves me. Oh, yes, I love my donkey. That's very plain to see. God bless the ground in which it stood. Oh, yes, I love my donkey and how it loves me. Oh, yes, I love my donkey. That's very plain to see. Now we make a happy three. My donkey and your me. Our life is like a joyous carousel. We sing and dance the live long day. In festive silks, each happy bow and bell. Love and play, drive care away. See all the dancers and their frills. See all the whirling daffodils. Then come it on their dancing still. Oh, yes, I love my donkey and how it loves me. Oh, yes, I love my donkey. That's very plain to see. Don't we make a happy three? My donkey and shine me. It's all in the song. The title says it all, really, Ben. I love my donkey. I love my donkey. <laughs> 1972. From the uh, Tintin and the Lake of Sharks movie. Not only damn cute, hilarious. It, it, it is. It's <laughs> And it's totally unexpected in the movie. Like it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it's totally unexpected on this show. On this show, yeah. We, never, <laughs> we usually don't play anything good. <laughs> uh, but before that, Marseille, our Guillermo from Screen Round. Thank you to him. Visit ScreenRound.com. Give him the same support that he gives us, which, um, you know, it varies from week to week, doesn't it? <laughs> Sometimes if we're really nice to him, he only spits at us. <laughs> <laughs> and just really quickly before we move on to our next uh, choice films, I want to just give a mention that next week we have a very kick-ass show lined up and we're going to be talking about slapstick spoof parody movies and our special guest is David Zucker, the legend who gave us Airplane and Naked Gun and Basketball amongst so many more. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. Um, in fact, let people know and invite them to come and you know listen. <laughs> That'd be nice. Ben's got wonderful teeth. <laughs> he <does. laughs> Fortunately, he's not going to be listening to this one, <laughs> so he he won't he won't hear the facetiousness in your voice. No, I'm genuinely impressed by his teeth. <laughs> I don't think they're real, <laughs> but I was very impressed by them. Mate, all right, take the like, lead. Like, like <laughs> Grandpa Simpson's wooden teeth. <laughs> he was a mason as well. He was a mason. Yeah, or um, a, a stonecutter. Oh, he's a stonecutter. He's he's a stonecutter. Yeah. Well, why don't you take the lead on the next round? Right. Well, <laughs> funnily enough, yeah. Coincidentally, I am actually going to be talking about Tintin and the Lake of the Sharks. Fantastic. Which I originally I didn't realize it because it is from 1972. It is an animated movie that they took from, and it's not from any of the pre-existing Tintin stories. It wasn't actually written by Hergé. It was it was written by a friend of his, and he owned, he oversaw it. Um, but I, when it came out, it was the first soft cover Tintin book I'd ever seen. Like all the other Tintin books I'd read came from, uh, like primary school libraries or 
like the Oakley Public Library or whatever, and they're always the hardcovers. Made of tin. Made of tin. Yeah. There was a front cover and a back cover, and it was like tin tin. Yeah. And you, like, it was made out of old people's teeth, like <laughs> dead people's teeth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or silver foil. If yes. You bit, if you bit the book, it really hurt. Yeah. Filed under Z <laughs> for Zucker. Why would I bite silver foil? It was just, if it's there, my man, like it's. Yeah. Did you ever chew foil as a kid? No. Give it a shot when you get home. home. Okay. Yeah. It uh, makes you feel really good. Have <laughs> you ever licked the battery? It's, it's kind of a bit like that. Because it comes out of nowhere. Like so You can get a couple of chews in there and it's fine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like you stepped on the third rail and electrocuted yourself. <laughs> He's not lying. It's, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what it is about that stuff. Uh, but this came out, it came out as a soft cover and, and like I bought it like with pocket money. And I, I thought... And I could tell that the the illustrations were different. They're much higher quality mm. than the usual kind of, or high quality, but a completely different style. And I remember thinking, I was like, this is the new one. So this is, I thought, it's not written by Herge. He's you know, dead. Like mm. like Asterix and Oblix, they, uh, Udazo had died and only Gossini was left. And he would just, mm. they'd keep churning out these Asterix books and they were never really the same. Same Wizard of Oz and yeah, yeah. I didn't, th- I thought this was a bit weird, but. In fact, it actually was you know a lot older, and they just I don't I don't know if they ever did it as a hardcover uh, version. I mean, I'm sure maybe they did, but we certainly it was never one of the ones that was on the back of the because that was as a kid on these books how you found out about the other ones like the back yes. of the comic or the book would have the pictures of all the other ones, and you'd be like and in the order, and you so you try and read them in the right order. And... That's what Eagle Entertainment do on the inside of their DVDs. <laughs> do they? They do next month's releases. Oh yeah! Too bad if you've bought it like years after release. I just find it <laughs> working in distribution. I find it amazing that they know what their next month's releases are going to be <laughs> when, by the time they go to production with the last one. He's like making it up on the, on the, on the seat of your pants. You're like, what are we going to about this week? What do we got? Oh, give it a shot. Uh, have we got this one rated? We'll do. Um, <laughs> So, but, but, so ba- and the reason the illustrations in the comic book are different is because they lazily just decided to use frames of the animation from the movie yep. and just put speech bubbles into it. Excellent. So it is actually like frame, like wow. cells. Oh, right. um, it's pretty good. It's um, uh, set in uh, Sildavia, which is uh, like one of Tintin. It's like the world of Tintin. It, it's a place that doesn't really exist. It's like set in the Balkans somewhere, and they always and Sildavia is, is also where King Ottokar's scepter was set, Destination Moon, Calculus Affair, a bunch of um kind of books, and uh, <laughs> the, the obligatory phone call coming through. Stop! I'm talking about Tintin. How do I cancel? How do I make it stop? I, hello, Mom. I told you not to call me when I'm talking about Tintin. <laughs> Before you continue, do you want to take it? No, it's gone now. It's the same call that comes through every week. Yeah. (laughs) Did you see the poster art for this? Shit. Um, All right. But but yeah, so basically, so this place in Sadovia, it is in the Balkans. So they they reckon it is kind of based on kind of Albania, kind of Montenegro, maybe Bulgaria. Like it's uh, this kind of, you know, which is odd considering everything else is kind of real. Uh, like there's in flight seven one four, they're coming to Australia. <laughs> they're going to a scientific conference uh, in Australia, but they never get there. So you never get to see Tintin uh, 
do anything racist with Aboriginals because <laughs> the original Tintin, not too, not too politically correct, I'm afraid. Uh, luckily, history has smoothed those edges out. Uh, <laughs> but basically, um, so Tintin, Snowy Cat and Haddock and the Thompson, Thompson and Thompson all come to Sylvia to hook up with uh, Professor Calculus. Uh, and uh, he's invented this thing that can uh, uh, it duplicates things with soap. Like he can replicate things with soap. <laughs> uh, with soap? Yeah, like he puts it's it's basically a three D photocopier. That's right. what he's invented. But in 1972, couldn't and, use wax or anything. Of, <laughs> instead of uh, the plastic or thing, uh, he's used. Well, that's and that's the joke in the movie. Mm. He because uh, the stuff doesn't last long, so he uh, replicates okay. the Tom- Thompson and Thompson's bowler hats. And they put it on, and then it just melts, melts. into soap. Oh, okay. uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. And uh, you know, and these art thieves uh, are kind of kind of want it, so Tintin has to has to foil that uh, their plan. And the the villain is um, is Rastapopoulos, who's like a you know pretty kind of consistent villain throughout mm. the Tintin comics. But it's actually it's actually pretty good. Although that song, it's it is so weird because like the movie opens, Tintin and and Co are on a plane. The plane crashes on a kind of a cliff top, and it's you know tilting off and on. Uh, it will it will it will it will it will it will it, will it won't it crash? <laughs> I'm just uh, having beers with the bullies. Uh, <laughs> Stutter rap. <laughs> Turn into Morris Minor and the Majors for a second. Uh, and then they get rescued by uh, these two kids and their uh, donkey cart. Like, <laughs> Save them and, and keep the plane from from falling off off the edge of the cliff. And then, so they've just got off with this kind of traumatic kind of plane crash. And as they're coming down the mountain in the donkey cart, the kids just start singing about how much they love their donkey. <laughs> and, and it's, it's the only musical number. Like they use the music throughout the film, but it's the only musical well, number. As everybody just heard, it is magical. It is super catchy. It yes. is great. But yeah, but that's, awesome. uh, that's Tintin in the Lake of Shark. Very good. And uh, Sam, what have you got lined up for us um, next? Is that like a normal um, time film? Like yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. it's a feature. Oh, yeah, okay. it's a feature length. It goes for an hour and a half. You can check it out on YouTube because that's where I watched oh, okay. it. Cool. Uh, Excellent. I'm, I'm, I want to watch it now. <laughs> um, just for so, the song. Just for the song. Just for yeah. the song. Um, so I did... Uh, I I rewatched Road to Perdition. Oh, yes, yeah. excellent. Which I I actually hadn't. I don't think I saw it. I don't think I've seen it before. So it wasn't a rewatch at all. So, yeah. No, I, I, thought, I thought I had seen it. Yeah. But I think I just talked myself into thinking I'd seen it right. all these years, yeah. and then I watched. And I'm like, mm, maybe this not. isn't big. <laughs> 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 Where's the giant piano? <laughs> That chopsticks number was required. So, yeah, actually, yeah, it wasn't a rewatch, but I thought it was. Um, But Robert Loggier is in a lot of gangster movies, and he's, you know, the chopsticks master. And he would have been perfect in the Paul Newman part. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I forgot Paul Newman was in. This is a great movie. Um, Apparently, it took the... Because it was directed by Sam Mendes, and he apparently had to really convince Paul Newman to well, he had retired, hasn't he? Like, I think was it oh, Twilight he? was his last film, and he. Oh, okay. What a yeah, great film, this... Twilight! I thought for a second when when you first said that, I was like, he was in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Twilight, I love Twilight. He was the prototype for Edward Cullen. Yeah. yeah. 
It was the after, like after he'd been exposed to the sun. <laughs> Paul <laughs> <Paul> Newman. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, go ahead. Um, yeah, so this film came out in 2002, um, and it had Tom Hanks, which was yep. Daniel Craig, Jude Law, who was actually really great in this film. Like, mm-hmm. I was surprised. At, like, Does he have shards in his face in this one? Yeah. Shards right of He gets them in the yeah. But he yeah. uglies himself up, which is great because he's like yeah. balding and got a yeah. weird face and, and he has, dirty like, nail. Yeah, gross nails. Like it was weird. And teeth. But it was His so teeth good. are all rotten yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. some good recall you got there. I like I I pay attention because <laughs> I always get upset when Jude Law plays a bad guy because I think that's Rufus Sewell's job. <laughs> like Rufus Sewell is is always is evil Jude Law. <laughs> And so every time, like, Jude, like every time Jude Law plays it back, I'm like, "You're just taking work for Rufus Sewell. <laughs> like that guy's got a mortgage to pay and kids to support." <laughs> I forgot this was a comic book. Yeah, adaptation. yeah, because I, I actually I wrote it down here, and then I, I googled it and I and it said DC Comics, but I it's it's actually only like the very last sequel book, I think, that, right. that DC. So yeah. all the ones before that. Were so you, the, you, you hit the brief is what you're saying. Yes, yeah. yes. I hit the brief. <laughs> Just. Um, but the comic came out in 1998. I actually didn't know there were more than... Yeah, so the, there's a couple. So the movie is only based on like the first... Um, I think it's based... Well... Or is it like an amalgam of I think it's all, a, yeah, like, we just I think it's, cherry pick? Yeah. I think it's a kind of like all of the, the story. Yeah, Which I'm right. sure is fleshed out a lot more in Cause the it, comics. Because it's also a rip-off of Lone Wolf and Cub, right? Which is the Japanese oh, um, okay. you know, samurai and Yeah, Kurosawa-ish. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Or pre, pre-Kurosawa. pre Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's probably very similar because this one, obviously, it's the dad and the kid. Which is Tyler Hoechlin, and I hope I say that right. Um, <laughs> we never get it right. Yeah, who's in I've, Teen Wolf. Not the TV series. Yeah, the I was going to yeah. say, oh, you're going to give me a heart attack. <laughs> Michael J. Fox. <laughs> or Jason, even Jason Bateman, it would be like, they like they use the, the de-aging thing or like they just animated him like, uh, <laughs> or, you know, the face clips that they gave to Martin Short and Clifford where he's just got all these, he's playing, he's playing like, he's playing a little kid mm. and Charles Grodin's his dad and he's just got these like, Lips where they pinned all yeah, his skin back. Skin That's back. what they did with Paul Rubens in the new Pee Wee. Yeah, a lot of loose skin there. Like that, uh, I kind of like. How do you make Pee Wee look more freaky? <laughs> in his skin back. <laughs> Jesus, just, the implications of that statement just washed over me. <laughs> Completely hijacking her. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> her recommendation. Yeah, fine, fine. Um, yeah. So, oh, and um, I read that it was the cinematographer Conrad Ayers last film. Last film before he died or he retired? Died. Okay. Yeah. It yeah, does yeah. have that phenomenal <laughs> sequence of the that gunfight in the rain yes. where they're oh, all kind of so like, very yeah, film noir. And it's it's mm. very comic booky in its presentation. Definitely. Yeah. Where does this stand up for you? Like, as far as gangster films go, like, would you? Say it's sort of top tier stuff. Um, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a different focus, isn't mm. it? Because it's about him trying to keep him and his son safe. Yeah. I think I really took from it the, the 
the family. The human, the humanistic yeah, sort of morals yeah. morals and things. Um, but I really liked it. I yeah, it was so good. I, I need I to revisit. It, yeah, I can't believe I didn't miss that one. Well, I thought I'd saw it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Awesome. That's a good one. I wasn't expecting anyone to pick that. So excellent. Uh, it's funny that you you chose I Love My Donkey for our mid, mid-show song because I'm also going for Tintin, but I'm going for Secret of the Unicorn. Oh. Yes, the 2011 film directed by Steven Spielberg and produced by Peter Jackson, which I guess you're a bit of an aficionado when it comes to Tintin. So is this, would you say, a faithful adaptation of Tintin? Because I've not read the books and I only know some of the cartoons when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the cartoon. Of those. <laughs> the thing was, it was, I, I never liked those those stories that that movie happens to be based, based on. I yeah. don't like any of that Red Rackham's treasure. Okay. All of that, that uh, I for some reason... Like he's one of the more popular characters, but mm. Professor Calculus has always bothered me. Like I just don't, I don't like that kind of the sure. stupid, um, the kind of clumsy professor kind of character. And yet yep. he's the one. If you look on YouTube, there are like TV ads for breakfast cereal and stuff. Yeah, with yeah. Him kind of doing them and stuff. Well, just you know, the the story itself just has Tintin and his dog Snowy, along with the drunken Captain Haddock, searching for the uh, the sunken ship that holds like a big cargo of treasure. It's an Indiana Jones style of movie. For anyone that's never watched any of the, the Tintin cartoons or read the comic books, it's it's an adventure treasure hunt. Jamie Bell and Andy Circus, Daniel Craig once again, Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, Daniel Mays, Toby Jones, Mackenzie Crook, Gary Ors. Like what a what an amazing cast. Yeah. Yes. Are you with us, Ben? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Was it? That's the one that had, uh, like, people weren't sure about the animated, like, how it was animated. Yeah, because it was, it was um, motion capture. Uh, uh, so, I think yeah. Andy Circus. Uh, who did Andy Circus play? He played Captain Haddock. Yeah, it was all motion capture. So, yeah. I think the actors were, for a large part, you know, all those dots all over them. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a very realistic kind of animation. Sure there is no Professor Calculus in that movie, uh. <laughs> but it's just, it's that it's, it's uh, welcome back. It was like the seven crystal balls and stuff like that, but I, I just didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's this is all Captain Haddock's a- ancestors. Yeah, I didn't like those. I don't like any of the sea going ones really. But there is a great moment when he fuels his plane with his burp. Yeah, that was amazing. But um, I do love this film anyway. There's supposed to be another one coming that's been in development for too long where Spielberg was handing the yeah. reins over to Peter Jackson. They were going to reverse it. It was going to be like, well, not Indiana Jones because they they kept their yeah. <laughs> Lucas produced and Spielberg directed. But there was supposed to be that, yeah, Spielberg directed this one yep. and Jackson produced it. And then the next one, it'd be Spielberg would produce. Yep. And uh, yeah. yeah. And hopefully there is a scene where uh, Tintin's like caught in a trap and then he has to turn to the screen and go, I don't know. How do I get out of this? I don't know. Steven Spielberg, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also kind of reaffirms as if we need reaffirming that, that Spielberg has an affinity for family films and storytelling because it's, you know, and it, it's, was it his first foray into animation? Like as a director, I think I it was. So. Yeah. So, and then he stuffed it up with BFG. <laughs> it's one of the few movies I walked out on in the cinema. <laughs> really? Yeah. I I've re- never walked out. I've always Never. just stuck through it. I like the, the I did it I did it through rounders, but not because rounders was bad, but because I was supposed to be meeting people and they hadn't shown up and I was like I just started it just was bothering me too much. I went out to try and find them. And uh then uh yeah, then BFG and I was like, you know what? I could 
be doing other things. <laughs> the only anything. The, anything else. Else. Yeah. the only one I recall walking out on was that Liam Neeson movie Run All Night, and that was simply because I quite like that movie. Well, it wasn't a bad movie, but we went well. to the cinemas, and my wife, you know, she had to go to the toilet, and she was gone for you know good amount of time <laughs> and i realized she was like in the corridor on her phone just like you know flicking through facebook or whatever because i went looking for her and i thought oh, fuck it let's just go home like i don't <laughs> really don't like this movie this. enough like you know i didn't pay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can, you, can you get your money back if you walk out of the film i don't even know i've never tried one time at the video store i wasn't working my sister i'd gotten my sister a job there when i got a job somewhere else and they needed someone else to fill in so my sister was working there and this customer came in and she was watching, we had, there was only like, there was one TV and you would watch movies on, that were on the new release shelf to try and get people to hire them. She was watching this movie that we only had one copy of. And this woman came in and she saw it was on the TV and she's like, oh, that looks pretty good. What's that? And my sister's like, oh, it's this. She's like, oh yeah, look, I'll borrow that. So my sister's like, okay, I'm just sorry, I'm just going to, re- this is back in the VHS. Yeah. Just sorry, I just stop and rewind it. Rewound it, gave it to her. She hired it. She came back the next day, demanded a refund because <laughs> she didn't like it. And like my sister was kind of really new. And so she just gave it to her. And I was like, no, like she took it from you. Yeah. You were watching it yeah. and she <laughs> took it. You didn't tell her to take it. Like, well, that, that was, was outraged. Because yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know, I, I came from a video store as well. And that was a common thing for people really? to ask for a refund That's because so they didn't cool. like it. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, yeah. you, you, you hire it. To find out if you like it, exactly. you know, yeah. yeah. But anyway, <laughs> let's um, let's see what the boneheads have to say about today's theme. And um, uh, strap in, Ben. You're probably going to get you know <laughs> thrown under Attacked. the bus or something. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. What's this week's category subject topic? Topic. You could have went with topic. I could have went with topic, but I want to make sure that Ben can understand me. So I want to use several words, at least one of them he'll be able to pick up on. Don't don't use anything too bigly. So well, uh, yeah, we're we're talking about comic book movies that aren't related to Marvel or DC today, and uh, I'm going to go off the bat. And technically, this might be argued that it's not a comic book movie, but I disagree. One of my favorite comic book movies ever is American Splendor. That's a comic Paul, book movie. It's a comic book movie. It takes yeah, movie. It takes scenes from the comic book movie, uh, telling the the life of Harvey Picar, who is no longer with us again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is a great movie, and this one kind of started my love of Paul Giamatti. He's one of my favorite actors. Anything he's in yep. is instantaneously one hundred percent better, and his portrayal of Harvey Picar is spot on and i love the in-between segments when they're telling the story and they cut to paul giamatti and harvey p Carr in the same room and just cutting and listening to harvey p Carr talk yeah every moment of that movie is fantastic and um i was actually talking to the guys before this that i have a hard time finding movies that me and my wife can connect with and she loved american splendor She's, really she, i'm shocked she could not stop watching it. And I was so overjoyed because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, you and I, I love it together at the Baxter, the famous Baxter in Louisville. Louisville, yeah. So if you haven't seen Harvey P, if you haven't seen American Splendor, check it out. It's worth your watch. All right, I'm going to jump ahead of James here. I asked to go last, but I really want to get mine off because I can't believe I hadn't thought of this one. And mine come out right around the same time as, as Chad's as well. It's directed and written by the great Terry Zwigoff. And in the Daniel Close actually wrote the original comic book, Ghost World, 
with Steve Buscemi, Thora Birch, and Scarlett Johansson. It's about two girls graduating high school who are best friends going through the life, and they Steve Buscemi works at a chicken place. And the least I tell you about it, the better off you are. It's got Eileena Douglas in it, Bob Balaban. But it it's a coming-of-age story. It's a story about a middle-aged man, Steve Buscemi, who's kind of doesn't have a lot going on. He manages a chicken place. It's hard to explain. You all have seen it, right? Yes, and I love it as well. It's hard to explain, but it's a simple story, and it's based on a comic book, and it cemented my, I have no better word for it, crush on Thor Birch for the rest of my life. She's a fantastic actress. Most people fell in love with Scarlett Johansson from that film, which is a little weird. I think she's underage, but for me, it was it was Thor Birch. I think she's a fantastic actress. I wish she did more stuff today. And of course, everyone loves Steve Buscemi, and and in some a reason that I can never fathom. Women find him attractive, and I just think he's a good actor, but he is one of the last great character actors with an interesting face that we've seen come through Hollywood. Paul Giamatti being the other. Paul Giamatti's probably one of the others, absolutely, but he's still not as just interesting looking as Steve No, I just finished Horace and Pete's, so... We have something to talk about. Yeah, his face is just emblazoned in my mind. Go, James, James go. go. We've been waiting <laughs> on you for 20 minutes. Snowpiercer. Chris oh, Evans, best stuff. known, best known, of course, as the Human Torch. Uh, Snowpiercer is <laughs> based on the French graphic novel. I also want to get, I'm going to do this quickly, a couple shout outs. I'm shocked you didn't mention Hellboy, Joe. I thought about it, but I thought people would think I was going that way. No one would have thought I was going to say Ghost World, which I really liked. Hellboy. I did. It was, it was, when we were talking about this beforehand, I was, it was the third one that I was like, okay, he didn't go with the first two. He's not going for the third one. Hellboy, Whatever. Dread, and Sin City. Oh, Dread, and, and by the way, Dread, so good. Yes. And, go. I did and by the way, it, but I had to. And James, you're wrong. It's never going to be the Human Torch Chris Evans. It's going to be the Jensen Chris Evans from uh, The Losers. I was going to say, and that's the other Actually, one. Actually, Losers is a, Losers is a fun movie. movie. It but it's a fun. DC, right? It's, it's a DC, DC. movie. Yeah. And nobody talks about it anymore. No, 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 but it's got the dad from Supernatural, and I'm going to blank on his name. Well, people think of him as Negan now, but yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. If it ain't Jeffrey Combs, I don't care. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Well, if their funny accents don't give it away, then the smell of bourbon certainly does, or even the smell of KFC. Uh, Bonehead Weekly are a podcast from Kentucky. They are Joe, Chad, and James, and uh, they do that fun size thing here every week on the show. Find their full podcast wherever you get podcasts from. Now, Sam, uh, final round of recommendations. Would you like to uh, fire away first? Um, so I chose Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. excellent. Because I love Kingsman so much. Even the sequel. Um, Those people always say like a, like a bit of a guilty, guilty cigar. <laughs> I like the sequel. I mean, whereas I start with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so especially if it's if it's not as good as the first one, that's when you really love it. I yeah. shine. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like this is direct to video and made for fifty dollars. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. the thing, right? Like, because it used to always be straight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just oh. I just pointed out to my wall of number twos. <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one <laughs> very intentional by the way anyway kingsman two um, i mean one yeah. <laughs> kingsman came out in 2012 yep. um and it was directed by matthew vaughn who did king uh kick-ass and um 
Layer cake? No, that's yeah, 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 layer cake. Layer cake. And mm. Stardust. And he produced a lot of Guy oh, Ritchie. Don't say Stardust. Films. Like that's a, that's a I, horrible movie. I love Stardust. Oh, I knew you would. My like, mom loves Stardust too. She loves it. Yeah, but yeah. not you. Well, I watched it once. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. That's not surprising. <laughs> and what I what I really love about Matthew <laughs> this Vaughan. Is not a not, not a joke, no. <laughs> but this is a Matthew Vaughan thing. Uh, a friend of mine, Matthew Vaughan, or Matthew C. Vaughan, who starred in Catsick Blues. An amazing film. And a, a great film. He constantly, if you look on his Instagram and Facebook of people going, Hey man, I really love Kingsman. Have you got any advice on how to get into it? He has to explain to them that he's not that Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> That's, so that's a that's a horrible association for the real like for the, Hollywood yeah. Matthew Vaughn. He's like I was in Catsy Blue. <laughs> that's right. I wore a massive <laughs> cat, cat dildo. Cat dildo. Wow. <laughs> With barbs. I know. You know, I I have to you have to borrow that from me. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, once again, we've hijacked your <laughs> recommendation. Um. Yeah, and um. Yeah, it had Colin Firth, Mark Strong, Taron Egerton. Actually, um, the guy who who did the comics. Uh, Mark Miller, he also did Wanted, which was That's going a cool film. to be one of my other ones because that had Angelina Jolie. And that did have steel covers, the tin best. covers, I yeah, didn't say. Yeah, tin covers, yeah. The best thing about Wanted was when Mark Miller wrote it, he, and and I can't remember who he did the illustration work with, but he basically, it, it's, he cast it in the comic. And so it was Eminem oh. was the main character, Halle Berry was yeah. the... Was the kind of female character, and he yeah. did it so that if they ever bought the movie rights, <laughs> they couldn't fuck with the characters because he had cast it. Yeah. And then they, they did, did, and they totally <laughs> fucked with the uh, they did with the casting. Completely. And uh, what's his name? He's in it too, I think, in a bit part. Chris Pratt is in Wanted. He's the oh, best really? friend who was he fat? Oh, yeah, yes, fat. Right. It's fat post Everwood Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> Kingsman has um, an amazing sequence in the church. Oh, like, how good is that? Mm. Yeah, Even I mean, the, the opening sequence away. is pretty cool and too. And the pub, the pub yeah. thing, and you don't come to the show with quotes, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky if I can remember the name of the film I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't be expected to remember quotes. <laughs> Very cool. Are you? There, yeah. There's um, what? There's a prequel coming. Yes, the King's Man. King's Man, and then there's a number three coming as well. It's a prequel, isn't it? The, the King's Man is, is the, the prequel, prequel. But there's yeah. then a number. Did you just say that? You said yeah, exactly what coming. I said. <laughs> I was thinking of other things. What was that you said about you don't remember the film you were just talking about? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> uh, Did I? Cool. Did I say that? <laughs> Can we and hear the tape? Rewind the tape. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to add to that? No. No? All right. So I'm going to um, look, I'm gonna go with one. Everybody that listens to this show knows I have a soft spot for a director called Peter Himes, um, the director of classics, one of the great number two sequels of 2000. Maverick 2. 2010. No. Um, he also made Outland and Relic, but um, he adapted a comic book in 1994 starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, which I vividly recall seeing at the theatres, and that was Time Cop. Time Cop. Time Cop. Based on the Dark Horse comic books, it's also, I think, even today, Van Damme's highest grossing film. Right. Yeah, which says a lot, doesn't it? I do. I, I love how, if you've, ever, if you've watched uh, on Amazon Prime, they had that uh, 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 was it Jean-Claude Van Johnson yeah. TV series where he's playing, it's, he's playing Van Damme, but Van Damme is, he's actually a secret agent 
Agent Van Johnson is his real name and Van Dam is his cover. And so he goes and makes movies in these like European countries so he can uh, spy on, on uh, you know, things for the CIA. And he's, the whole first episode is hit them taking the piss out of Time Cop. Like he runs into himself and he goes, ha, it can't be me because I touched myself. I, didn't time <laughs> I couldn't do it. Like well, that's do a, all this, it is all... a really, it's a ridiculous film, but like I like it a lot. And the thing what Peter Hames does with his science fictions is he tries to put as much kind of um, science into them as possible. Like with 2010, he made sure that NASA were on board to advise how it looks, how it sounds, all that kind of stuff. No one cared. And all he did, all he did <laughs> with all he did with Time Cop was he did that whole like you just referenced, like the same matter cannot be present in the same you know mm-hmm. environment, and that's that's the logic that we go with, and then the rest of the film follows. And they yeah. use it again in um, in that Tomorrow War. There's oh. the whole thing where like only people who are dead in the future can yeah. go and people who haven't been born yet. And you can read a review of that at Happy and Tragic. Yeah. Sam reviewed that one last week. So, yeah. uh, But Time Crop, look, I love it. It really stood out for me at the time when I saw it at the th- cinemas because it was the, the date in the film is my birthday. So, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah isn't that lovely? <laughs> And they made Time Cop 2, the Berlin decision. Yeah. And that really excites me. <laughs> Jason Scott Lee. Jason Scott Lee, yeah. And um, Ian Thomas. Or was it Thomas Ian Griffith, the, the guy that played Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3? Kid, yeah. oh, exciting. From <laughs> Hollow Point. Yeah. And, uh, and stuff. But, and Ron Silver is. We're well, like, the first one, Ron Silver. Ron Silver is the bad guy, and he's doing his best kind of blue steel yeah. bad guy yep. type. Uh, Mia Sarah. Psychotic. Mia Sarah from another great sequel, Crow 2. <laughs> so, I thought you were going to say Legend. Like, That's a sequel. <laughs> and Bruce McGill. Everyone loves him. Love Bruce McGill. Uh, no, especially he, if he's he sweaty. <laughs> sweaty Bruce McGill like in Last Boy Scout. Where he's... Uh, well, I would hope by now that everyone that's listening will have seen Time Cop. Like, I don't, you know, don't need to really go in. Pause it. Go watch Time Cop. Pause <laughs> the podcast. Go watch Time Cop. Then come back. I actually <laughs> saw it on... Yeah, when I was reading. Excellent. And I wanted... I really wanted to watch it after I, I was like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> it's definitely worth it. It's a great movie. It's like, great I mean, movie. it's it's stupid, but like like I said, Peter Hyams just does something in film that's, you know, it's very unique. He's like an auteur of, of B-movie, I, I yeah. guess. Do you remember that TV show Time Tracks? Yeah, I do. Dale Midcalf. I always thought that was Time Cop, the TV series. Well, there is a and Time Cop TV series. There actually is a Time Cop, the TV series, but I thought it was Time Tracks. Yeah, yeah. From the film? Made the TV series. Yes, yes. Like, you know how they've made um, Minority Reporting to a TV yeah. show, which, you know, <laughs> Ben rolled his eyes at me. I don't know why. I just, I, just, I, I have a real problem with Minority Report. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Come on. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's like crimes top... that you haven't committed yet. Go fuck yourself. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, that's what the guy says in the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're that guy. It yeah, is I'm like, guy. Yeah. it is right up there for me with Spielberg. Like, it, oh, no. That was my, that was. That scene where Tom Cruise is like standing in the mirror with his shirt off. Shut your mouth. That was when I was like, he's Tom Cruise getting old. <laughs> <laughs> things are, things are starting to sag. I don't care. I don't care how much you know manscaping he's had done. He said he's looking like that uh, that hairdresser who's now the mayor of Geelong. I'm offended. <laughs> Bren, ben, bring it home. Okay. I'm going to talk about uh, the extraordinary adventures of Adele Blank Sec uh, from 2010, which, funnily enough, I. I happened to be in Paris when this movie came out. 
And I remember thinking, this looks amazing. But of course, it was French. I don't speak a word of French, so I couldn't <laughs> watch it in France. I had to watch Robin Hood, not knowing that Robin Hood had a bunch of French-speaking parts <laughs> and all the English parts were subtitled in French. The French parts were not subtitled at all. So every, pretty much every bit of dialogue that Mark Strong utters in the Robin Hood, I'm like... Well, the fuck's going on here? I'm sure this is important dialogue, but I have no idea what's happening. You just have to flash back to Kevin Costner's movie yeah. and fill in the gaps. <laughs> fill in the gaps, that's right. Uh, at least Mark Strong didn't have a wig on, which is... No, or Jarrett would say go back to the Patrick Berger one, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Uma Thurman. Um, so, th- and this is, uh, so this is written and directed by Luc Besson, uh, one of my favourite uh, directors, despite his... Uh, somewhat nasty personal habits that apparently, I don't know if he's been kind of cleared. He's not like a, he's no longer the, uh, under investigation. He's just a person of interest or something. And that's, I don't know what the hell. Well, the other controversy other than that stuff is he got sued for that movie he made with Guy Pierce. What was that? can't remember the name, but he got sued because it was a plagiarism of uh, Escape from New York. Oh, that's right. The space one. Lockdown yeah, or something lockdown, like that. Yeah. yeah. I guess more. I thought it was more Fortress Two. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> we will we will me. not go there. There's another masterpiece for you. We've yeah. spoken about that many times on the show. Um, I mean, I suppose actually, now that I think about it, it is it is Escape from New York. But there's a lot of I would have thought there's a lot, a lot of movies where they get a criminal to go in and rescue the president's daughter. <laughs> well, he Doesn't lost. Happen all the time. <laughs> In all films? Yeah, in the yeah. 80s. That was every one. No, we really shit presidents in the 80s. Yeah, like, and or in the 90s, First Daughter. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, know, yeah Chasing all, Liberty. Uh, chasing Liberty, 100%. Those president's daughters are troublemakers. Do you remember First Kid? I do remember First oh, Kid. <laughs> hey, there's another bloody show we can have in the pipeline. President Kid Movies. Yeah. I don't know. Kids of presidents. Toy Soldiers. Yeah, oh, actually, Toy Soldiers it. is uh, some pre- some president kids, <laughs> uh, but this one, <laughs> this one is set. It's set in nineteen eleven, uh, and it's the funny thing is about this character. This character uh, in the comic books, it was set before World War One and after World War Two. After World War One, but the writer did not <laughs> want to get the character involved in any World War. One stuff. So he came up with this. Uh, she was in cryogenic uh, suspension oh. to recovering from an injury during the entirety of World War One. So he never had to mention it wow. in in the comics. <laughs> and it's it's really weird because the the movie the movie doesn't really cover a lot of what uh, like about the kind of character of Adele Blancsac. And funnily enough, she was actually in the original concept. She was the villain. It was it was set around the same time as the Arsène Lupin. Uh, series or Lupin the Third, um, but she was supposed to be the villain, and the main character was this Edith. And I can't pronounce the her last name. Rabbit, Dong, something. And Adele Blanc Sank was the villain. Was supposed to be her nemesis, but he ended up he enjoyed drawing her so much more. That he's like, oh, I'll make you the hero. And so she's the, and she's like this. Um, she's supposed to be like a, a kind of. Um, pulp novelist slash investigative reporter. But in the movie, she is those things, but they're just kind of in the background and she's basically spending the whole movie trying to cure her. Uh, her sister is... Uh, <laughs> they're, playing a, they're playing a game of tennis and uh, her sister, uh, she smacks the ball so hard right in her sister's face 
that she falls backwards and her hairpin comes out and she ends up giving herself like a frontal lobotomy with the hairpin. Amazing. Um, and so she she decides that she's um, going to revive, that she's found this professor who can uh, bring the dead back to life. And so she's she goes to Egypt and goes uh, pyramid robbing to to get the, 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 the physician of a pharaoh to come back because apparently they were like way ahead of their time. Like it's, it's all... It's, Kind of falls into a lot of that Atlantis, uh, you know, kind of pyramid, you know, pyramids being a lot more uh, elaborate and convoluted than uh-huh. anything else that was constructed at the time. So there's something, you know, all Freemasons and third eye <laughs> and kind of stuff. Handshakes. But, uh, uh, so she goes to, and of course this, uh, this, in the meantime, practicing his skills, this professor brings back a, he hatches a, a pterodactyl egg, like this long dormant, pterodactyl egg in the museum and the pterodactyl comes out and kills a minister and goes on this kind of rampage through Paris and that kind of gets in the way of bringing back the dead the she's not dead she's like in a kind of harness she's just been lobotomized so she's just <laughs> like a vegetable um, the sister and it kind of all yeah. kind of it's all pretty kind of convoluted but it's a pretty good movie I had to wait until geez, I think it was like 2013, 2014, before I saw a version with subtitles I could actually watch. <laughs> Do you know what I took away from all of that? Blah, 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 blah. It was like the, the Charlie Brown's teacher <laughs> talking. The, that was how the boneheads talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the pronunciation of Lupin. As a Lupin. No, I've always thought it was just uh, Lupin, Lupin the third. Yeah, but you pronounce it another way. I do the French way. Okay. And I uh, tried it the French way. French people listening, all, <laughs> none of them... <laughs> I like Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> take a class. <laughs> mate, you lost them at Robin Hood, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All righty. Well, how's about a little bit of Adam with uh, a case of deja vu? Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. This week we're doing comic book movies and I'm going to go with the most irreverent comic book movie in recent history, The Kingsman, The Secret Service. Now, why do I love this movie so much? Mainly because of director Matthew Vaughan. I've always been a huge fan of Vaughan and I think that he is one of the hungriest technical filmmakers of my generation. Give this guy a dollar and he will squeeze it and put it up on screen. That is extremely the case in the sequel to this movie, The Golden Circle, which a lot of people talk shit about, but go back and have a look at just what Vaughn is trying to throw out there to entertain you. This guy is just going for it. This movie also made me look at Colin Firth in a completely different way. If you had told me that Firth would be at the center of some Neo-esque, Matrix-like Kung Fu sequences, I never would have believed you. But here, the pub sequence, the church sequence, they're all-timers, they're kinetic, they're hyper-violent, and Firth can absolutely hold his own. It also introduced us to Taron Egerton, someone who I think is a bona fide movie star. Now, there are always movies that are hinging on the next hot young thing, but Taron can actually act. He's hugely charismatic, and watching him discover himself as we discover him as Eggsy just makes this movie hugely thrilling. It's also got some really, really goofy comic elements. Vaughn is doing this thing that I love, is that he's taken two of his, you know, the great loves of his life, spy movies and comic book movies, and he ping-pongs between the two of them and takes the most extreme elements, melds them together, and somehow pulls this thing off. The optics of it, it looks like this kind of stuffy James Bond-esque movie. You've got, you know, Mark Strong, Michael Caine, all these actors, but has a studio picture with these many moving parts that are this expensive, ever been this irreverent, ever been this violent, ever kind of been this funny. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, this movie is should not have worked on paper, but it 
Vaughan just knocks it out of the park. And so, and kudos to him. I mean, you know, hopefully, we, I know we're getting one more of these on the way, and I hope that we get a bunch more spin-offs because when Vaughan is in this universe doing what he does, I can't get enough of it. The Kingsman, the Secret Service, five stars from me. Adam Ross from Triple M. He's also the chairman of the Australian Film Critics Association. So find him on Facebook. His page is called Adam's Just Seen. Hey, Sam, you've, you've made it to the end of the show. Yeah. You survived. Yeah. <laughs> How you feeling? Good. I hate it. <laughs> I know. I'm really self-conscious of my voice because I know I sound like a 12-year-old. And so I know, I feel like people are going to be like, who's that child? No, no, they're going to be like, up. those guys are really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you bring up Luke Besson? <laughs> totally, totally inappropriate. I a lot. I so, a lot. yeah, you reckon you want to do it again sometime soon? I'd love to. Fantastic. We'd love to have you. Ben, lousy performance, mate. As always. You're out. Um, Sam, seat yours. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, Sam. It's Phew. been great. It has been great having you here. Can't wait to do it again. Thank ben, you. stay where you are, mate. The show, the show kind of needs you. <laughs> you're locked in I'm locked in next 50 years. Unless can't... Keith wants to come back Then you're yeah, out, no, I'm out. <laughs> He can wake up at 6 o'clock on, on Monday morning To record the show <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that illusion Keeping that illusion alive As we bring it to a close We'll do a whip around and thank those guys that you heard Just then it was Adam and thanks to him As well as Jarrett, Guillermo, Joe, Chad And James and a big thanks also to Tia who works behind the scenes on our social media Going to give her a plug She comes from the Sunflower Agency Which is uh, a little thing she's got going Where she helps people with social media So thesunflowerагency.com is where you'll find that I tell you The hardest thing that I go through during my week is not answering the trivia questions and stuff that, she, that gets posted. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, I know the answer. I can't, I can't answer them. I think they're really hard. Like, some of them, are, like it's, I, f- I feel like it's, you know, when they used to do it at uh, the cinemas where they used to have the, the trivia before the movie. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, this is great. It's like, all, I, as a kid, I remember like fantails being really difficult. Like you'd kind of, yeah. you'd try and read the ones that were only the half. Yeah. So you didn't know who it was and try and guess who the person was that they were talking about. And then something happened like in about 95 and then all of a sudden they just, they wrote them for, you know, people who yeah. only ever watched two movies. Bill Collins died. That's what happened. Yeah. Ivan Hutchinson's gone. <laughs> they had no resources. They got, they, no one to, <laughs> John Michael Housen's still alive. Glenn. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, you know, um, last week when we were discussing this show, you did mention to me that this is possibly going to be the best episode that we've ever done based on the music alone. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, we, we got rid of the Barbarella theme song for your... Your Tintin song. That's right. Uh, so, who needs Barbarella? Why don't we end on a high? Um, stick around for this one because this is a banger from 1993 from the soundtrack to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. It's Tarzan Boy by Baltaroma. That's great. I'm going to be Go Ninja. Go yeah, Ninja Rap by Go Ice. Ninja, by, Ninja, that's from part two by Vanilla Ice. <laughs> still that coming. is the best song from the Ninja Turtles. Although, I did like the. It's not in the movie, but it's about the movie. The um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the T- TMNT Power or whatever it was from the first one. That you, I learned I learned all the words to and did a dance in primary school too. You, you, I did the running man for like 10 minutes straight because that's the only move I could do. Are you dissing on Tarzan Boy? No, I love Tarzan Boy. I had no idea because I've never seen uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. I never saw it for whatever reason. 
How I didn't know it was from that. I just thought it was a song. What's that your was favorite part of Tarzan Boy? Uh, well, the music video, the whole <laughs> music video. How does the chorus go? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Sorry. Whoa, whoa, You're gonna have to whoa, wake up. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Gonna have to wake up even earlier on a Monday morning to get me <laughs> singing on the microphone again, Glenn. I want to your tricks. It's Thank not you. happening. Thank you, you too. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time. See ya.
believe it or not, I'm walking on it. Yeah, I hope I hear this on the uh, on the show. <laughs> Very careful not to. Every time I sing along to anything, he uses it. Oh, really? he, uses, he weaponizes it against me. 